In the Know with Bernstein Research. Welcome to In the Know with Bernstein Research. In this series, we discuss investment controversies together with what is top of mind and in the news with Bernstein's research analysts who are in the know. Our disclosures can be found at the end of this and every episode. I am Diana Wood from Bernstein's Boston office, and this episode features our European med tech analyst, Lisa Clive, based in London. Today, we are looking at the applications of artificial intelligence in diagnostic imaging. We will spend time going into a bit more detail on what the applications look like today, what AI in the radiology suite could look like in the future, and which companies are playing in which parts of the value chain. We will also touch a bit on radiotherapy and the convergence of patient and physicians from a community standpoint. So hello, Lisa. Thank you for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Me too. Okay, so let's jump right in. You have received many questions from investors on the applications of AI in medical imaging, and specifically what the big three imaging players are doing. We're really at this intersection of technology and healthcare. OEMs are competing against many players from tech titans like Google DeepMind and Mitterative, formerly IBM Watson Health, to startups in Silicon Valley. So let's just talk a little bit about who the big imaging players are and how they're positioned versus the others. Sure. So the big three, as they're often referred to, is GE Healthcare, the Siemens Healthineers division, and Philips, who are the main manufacturers of MRI machines, CT machines, X-ray machines around the world. We also have a few of the traditional tech titans involved in this area of development, including Google's DeepMind business, Meritive, which is formerly the IBM Watson healthcare business. And then Meta has a few forays into AI, a little bit less so on the imaging side. And then there's a lot of startups out there. The most well-known are probably the likes of AI Doc, MIM, Nanox AI, Viz AI, but there are countless companies out there. And in fact, if you look at the FDA website, there is a list of all of the FDA-approved AI applications in radiology today, and there's 154 companies on that list. So there's a lot of different players out there. So when you think about some of these, you wrote about this, you talk about this changing landscape of where technology and medicine intersect, but you talk about avoiding the fate of the dumb pipe in your work. You use from kind of a telco analogy. Can you expand on that for listeners and just explain what you mean by that? So I've adapted this from telecom. It's not quite the same, but essentially what you don't want as the manufacturer of medical imaging equipment is to be the company that creates the ability to take images, but then you have no control over that data. And that's really what I mean by the dumb pipe. So you don't want to produce all these fantastic MRI images with your machines, but then have some third-party uh, startup develop some amazing AI-based technology, which they then can monetize, and the manufacturer doesn't participate in that value creation. And I think, interestingly, despite the fact that Philips, GE, Health & Years aren't historically known as software companies, they've done a lot in this arena over the years. And in fact, the Philips CFO loves to point out that they employ 
more software engineers than any other profession within their R&D division. So they see themselves, as does Health and Years and, and GE Healthcare, they see their imaging business as a software business as well. And I think that's really the future of where radiology as well as radiotherapy and some other elements of healthcare are moving. And it's an exciting time in this space. So just thinking broadly, and you talk about software, but technology overall, why is AI and this very sophisticated level of software so important in diagnostic imaging? Like, Why does this matter so much, and especially really in a post-pandemic world? Well, first of all, AI is really well-suited to be used in medical imaging. There are certain things that AI is not very good at today. One thing that's very difficult is reading through and synthesizing medical records, for example. But what AI is very good at is image recognition, which ultimately is what the use of AI in radiology is all about. Can a computer look at a scan and identify a lesion that could be cancer? Can you have an ultrasound program that can help a doctor diagnose something like fatty liver disease, which is notoriously difficult to diagnose just with the naked eye? It's really an exciting time for medical imaging because AI can create a huge amount of value. And in terms of the timing of it, post-pandemic, there have been staffing shortages in radiology suites around the world for years. And after the pandemic, it has gotten even worse. There's some really interesting statistics in the UK, in 2015, there were 2,000 people who were waiting more than six weeks for a scan, a diagnostic scan, something that's quite serious, you know, could be to see what is wrong with their knee, whether they've torn some cartilage, or it could be because there's potential cancer. And so in 2015, 2,000 people were waiting more than six weeks. By 2019, and remember this is pre-pandemic, that had gone up to 9,000 patients. But what is really mind-blowing, we, we sort of know that the pandemic has created huge backlogs in the healthcare system. But what's fascinating and, and mind-blowing is that that statistic in terms of the number of patients waiting more than six weeks for a scan in the UK has gone from 9,000 in 2019 to 95,000 in 2023. And this is really where AI has become not just a nice-to-have, but a must-have. There was a survey done in the U.S. back in 2020 that indicated that about 30 percent of radiology suites in the U.S. were already using some sort of AI applications to help improve workflows. And I think that number is just going to go higher and higher every year out of necessity. There aren't enough radiologists out there. The number of scans requested by doctors keeps going up and humans alone just can't handle the workload. So this is really interesting and why I was so excited to bring you on this podcast, because we've talked about this a little bit previously. Stacy kind of went through his pictures of cats that are being spewed into a box and tell me if this is a cat or not explaining AI. And Mark Schmulich has gone through in terms of media, the nice to have, as you describe it, for artificial intelligence. And like chat GPT can write me a poem or potentially write an episode of, you know, curb your enthusiasm that Larry David would like, but it's not that perfect. But this is a real critical need in our world today. And I think that it's just a very exciting time. But speaking about the various stages and what you described as workflow, you have another great chart in one of your notes that looks at AI and radiology today, and it breaks down 
the opportunities into five verticals. So I know folks don't have this with them now, but I thought you could perhaps walk them through it and just sort of talk about the opportunities and maybe layer in where the big three players are active. Sure. I really see in AI and diagnostic imaging five main verticals, and I'll list those and then go into a bit of detail in each. First is image acquisition, radiology workflow, post-processing, diagnostic aids, which is also referred as CAD-X, which is computer-aided diagnostics, and training radiologists. Those are each fairly distinct from one another, but together they form this continuum of how AI can help a radiology suite operate more efficiently, more effectively, and ultimately, hopefully, getting to an accurate diagnosis faster to enable a big improvement in patient care. So let's dig in a little bit more to sort of the image acquisition piece. When we talk about image acquisition and the use of AI, what we talk about is it's really sort of fairly basic, but it's actually very, very important for the efficiency of a radiology suite. Things like positioning a patient before the MRI machine is actually switched on is quite complex. You need to make sure that the correct data is inputted into the machine around which vital organ is being scanned or which body part is being scanned, how tall the patient is, how much they weigh. So all of the inputs required, you know, which coils need to be turned on during the scan, all of that takes a technician quite a lot of time. The setup alone can take 20 to 30 minutes. Sometimes patients need contrast agents if they're having a CT scan done in order to be able to uh, see the organ more clearly. And there are some AI programs that are being developed to try to determine the optimal use of contrast agents in an attempt to be able to get high quality images without using so much contrast because it's not great for patients. It's also highly difficult to manufacture. So there's supply constraints on there. So the use of AI to make MRI scans faster is a really big deal. MRIs are very time consuming. It can take 20, 30 minutes to scan a specific body part. And with AI, you can actually reduce those scan times, leaving you with an image that is undersampled, but then you can reconstruct it using the data from the case space to give you as high of a quality image. And so that's, I think, one of the most relevant and, from a radiologist's perspective, exciting uh, applications that's available today. And Philips has an application for that. Health and Years does. There's several players that have that type of application live in radiology suites around the world today. I have an MRI and mammogram every six months throughout the year. And I can't tell you how many times I've actually called back to redo my images just because of positioning or how it's set up. It just is incredibly time consuming. The waiting room is massive. It's something I don't want to say simplistic, but it is at a somewhat simplistic level that this can solve. And it's not just the radiologists and the technicians. It's the patients. Rescans take a lot of time. It takes rescheduling and going back to the hospital, and it sucks up a lot of resources. So there are actually AI programs in development where the hope is, and again, this isn't live yet, but the hope is that you can have essentially an AI set of eyes on a scan as it's being done, and it can tell the technician whether the scan quality is good enough. And if you can have a program like that, it means that you can massively reduce the number of repeat scans. Again, not 
actually commercially available yet, but those are the sorts of value-add programs that are coming through. Next, I would talk about radiology workflow, which really has to do with post-acquisition assessment prioritization. So can you have a computer tell a radiologist which scans should be looked at first? That would be really helpful for radiologists. And those sorts of programs do exist today and I think are significantly valued by the radiologist community. Next, I would point to post-processing, where when a series of images of, say, somebody's brain have been taken, there's a lot of work that then needs to go into analyzing those images. Often, the identification of a lesion has to be delineated by contours. So historically, a radiologist would have to manually contour every single slice in a CT of a brain. Often in images, if there are specific pieces of anatomy, i.e. if you're looking at something that's adjacent to a major organ, you want to label that on the image. And today, there are AI programs that can automatically label and automatically contour, and that is incredibly helpful and saves a lot of time for the radiologist. So we've been going through a little bit about radiology workflow and post-processing, and it sounds like some of the bigger players obviously have the ability to perform these tasks. Who are some of the startups that you're really excited about in these two specific areas of opportunity? So I'd say in radiology workflow, there's companies like MIM, there's Viz AI, there's Quantib. In post-processing, AI Doc and Nanox AI are pretty active. I'd say these are two areas where the big three have a pretty strong presence. There are a number of startups, but this is probably less of a focus for the startup community. Where startups are primarily focused is the fourth vertical, which is diagnostic aids, otherwise known as CADX or computer-aided diagnosis. I think the reason why most of the startup community is focused on this is this, frankly, is the most exciting and innovative part of radiology. And it's really about can you get an AI program to help make better diagnoses? Now, I would point out that for regulatory reasons and also for legal liability reasons, These diagnostic tools are not meant to give a standalone diagnosis without the involvement of a clinician. But what they do do is perhaps give a first pass, pointing out a lesion, suggesting some things that it could be. What they also can do is suggest relevant elements of a patient's history, or they could also come up with a number of uh, similar cases that may help the clinician make a final diagnosis. So diagnostic aids are very specifically helping radiologists rather than replacing radiologists. I love hearing you talk about this because I've been interested in this myself. But is this these startups, are these sort of the type of companies where they have their own MRI machine, let's say, and you go in and you have an appointment and you give your entire medical history and they scan you, they show what has been uncovered and they don't necessarily give a diagnosis, but they offer their thoughts of what I guess you're saying potentially could be in conjunction with a radiologist? Or is this just sort of a standalone device or separate machine within it? Or is it just the software? All the AI startups today are just making software. The MRI machines, the CT machines on which images are collected to be analyzed for use by AI programs is all made by the OEMs. And that's the big three, as well as the likes of Canon. MindRay does a lot of x-ray machines. So the manufacturers haven't changed in this process. And that actually brings up an interesting point because one of the big 
components of a successful AI program is access to images. And Siemens Healthineers talks about how they have access to 1.5 billion images, curated images that have been analyzed and annotated by radiologists. So it's not just do you have an image, because there are tens of millions and practically an infinite number of images available on the web. The question is, is that a good quality image? Has it been analyzed by a highly qualified radiologist? And ultimately, did that analysis of the image turn into a diagnosis that was in fact correct? So it's not just about having access to a large array of images. It's about curated images that have been analyzed by a highly qualified professional. And the OEMs, and particularly the big three, have a really distinct advantage here because they have direct relationships with hospitals around the world. And keep in mind, because of privacy rights, the OEMs do not own the images that flow through their machines. Technically, the hospitals don't even own the images that are taken on the machines in their facilities. It's the patients who have to give the rights to use the images. And effectively, when somebody is signing up to get an MRI, they'll tick a box, which grants the hospital rights to use those images. So the OEMs have a distinct advantage because in their long-term relationships with hospitals, healthcare facilities, healthcare systems, they are increasingly building in terms around the use of their products so that they have access to the images that are created in order to use them for research and development purposes. And much of that is feeding images, curated images, into their AI programs. It's fascinating. It's like when Alexa is listening to you constantly all the time, improving their language models or whatever it is, and that's what they're doing to be able to improve how they listen and answer questions. Somewhat different, but how they're looking at images and improving it and just improving the way they're able to identify things, which kind of leads into the last, which is looking at training radiologists, that last sort of area of opportunity. So part of the problem is that there aren't enough highly qualified radiologists out there. Forget about in emerging markets, but even in developed healthcare systems, there aren't enough radiologists. So the big question is, can AI help solve that? One highly skilled radiologist can only train a limited number of new radiologists at their hospital in any given year. If, however, that skilled radiologist could train an AI tool, then that AI tool could be deployed in locations all over the world to train many more radiologists. This obviously isn't a total fix because you need nascent emerging radiologists that are uh, waiting to be trained. But it certainly is something that could help alleviate one of the bottlenecks in the radiology suite. This is something that is really in the, I'd say, planning stage. There aren't any AI applications that I'm aware of that are actively pursuing this. But I do know there are hospitals that are trying to build their own programs in order to help alleviate this training bottleneck. And where are all the radiologists? Are they just burnt out, like from COVID? Where have they gone? There are a number of reasons why there aren't enough radiologists out there. Number one, we have an aging population in the developed world. So there are just more patients every year who are developing health issues that require imaging. 
Also, keep in mind that as imaging has gotten better over the years, it is being used more frequently. So that's a good thing because it allows doctors to diagnose conditions faster, but it does put more pressure on radiology suites because doctors will request different types of image studies more regularly. It also has to do with clinical guidelines. There's a really good example of this in the UK, where in 2017, there was a big change in the guidelines for diagnosing prostate cancer. It used to be that if you had an elevated PSA test in the UK, the patient would be referred for a biopsy. In 2017, the guidelines changed so that any patient who had an elevated PSA would first be referred to a radiology suite for an MRI of their prostate. And only then, if a lesion was identified, would the patient be passed along for a biopsy. And helpfully, that doctor would know exactly where to biopsy and therefore would probably have a more likely conclusive biopsy result. So that change alone back in 2017 increased the demand for prostate MRIs by probably several hundred thousand scans a year. So again, in terms of patient care, this was inherently a good thing. It meant that prostate cancer could be identified more accurately, more quickly than previously. But this also ultimately has led to a lot more pressure on radiology suites across the UK because the radiologists need to do these scans and then interpret these scans. So we've kind of talked through the areas of opportunity within radiology itself, but I remember on your last marketing trip to Boston, which I can't wait for you to come back, we had a conversation about um, a dear friend of mine who's going through her own health journey. And we talked a little bit about radiotherapy and how AI is also enabling adaptive treatments in radiotherapy, which you talk about is perhaps even a bit more exciting. Can you expand on that for the listeners? The use of AI in radiotherapy is potentially game-changing. What a radiotherapy machine called a LINAC would ideally do is during the course of radiation treatment, the radiation beam would track the tumor like a heat-seeking missile. Unfortunately, the technology isn't there yet. So what happens is a patient who needs a tumor on their pancreas killed with radiation will have MRI and CT scans taken The radiation oncologist will then plan the course of treatment, which may happen over a few days. It may happen over a few weeks. But as that process goes along, the tumor moves. It shrinks. It can change position slightly. And also, during the course of each treatment, the patient is moving. They are breathing. And so it's really hard to have a program that can do that heat-seeking missile type of tracking. And so... What AI can do is through looking at the images in real time as the patient is in the LINAC, it can tell the doctors how to adjust the therapy right then and there. And there's a few different types of LINACs today that can do this. There's an MR LINAC where you can watch the radiotherapy happen in real time as the radiation beam is going. But you can also do this with a traditional CT-based LINAC where technically you have to pause the treatment, use the AI to reposition the beam, and then turn it on again. But in both of these, the more accurate your targeting, 
the higher likelihood that you kill all the cancer cells, but also importantly, the less likelihood that you damage the surrounding tissue and cause side effects or even potentially secondary tumors in the future to the healthy cells that are around that tumor. Which would be, I just feel like it's been used historically, obviously, with children, you know, because thinking down the line, proton or radiotherapy, very targeted so that down the road, they don't have exposure to secondary cancers. Obviously, very young patients, they try to do this, and it, it just makes such a difference. And this is available today. There are two major manufacturers of Linax around the world. And as of 2023, both of them now have... AI-based treatment protocols that can use so-called adaptive radiotherapy, or ART. So this is live, and it's really, really beneficial for patients. So this is really exciting to hear, and I think it's something people are talking about a lot, where we've looked at sort of medicine, what we're perhaps in now, 2.0, where it's very reactionary. You get a diagnosis, and you see what stage you're at, and then what treatments are available. But medicine 3.0 that I've heard sort of healthcare strategists and doctors talk about is this level of very preventative care where you're able to do diagnostic imaging in advance to be able to identify a tumor that perhaps you could not have before, a stage one brain tumor or colon cancer. It's a polyps or colon cancer. And that is the future of how we use AI. Do you see a world where this is how we think about our care? There's been a big debate about whether AI can help see things that a radiologist couldn't see. Unfortunately, that's not quite possible today because it is radiologists who need to train the AI program. So they need to be able to diagnose a lesion, and then ultimately that diagnosis needs to be correct. So unfortunately, we're not at a stage where the AI can see things before doctors can because that's not the way the training process works. However, if in the future somebody who has an elevated PSA level goes for an MRI, it looks clean, but then two years later, they go for another MRI and there is clearly a tumor. At some point, we should be able to have an AI program go back to that first scan and say, oh, hey, wait, there is something here. So it is possible over time, but that is unfortunately a bit further down the track than we'd like today. That being said, Accurate diagnosis the first time can save months for many patients where diagnosis is really hard, and that can save lives today. And that's really that image recognition and being able to look and understand this is something. I think it's really about making sure that the image quality is good enough the first time and also making sure that nothing is missed. No radiologist is perfect. And if every radiologist out there has an AI program that is a second reader, that can really help avoid missed diagnoses. So I feel like at this stage, do you think this is more of a revolution or an evolution? Will radiologists that we are in dire need of start losing their jobs? Or will we just need more highly skilled radiologists? Where do you think the future lies for this? I think it is certainly more evolution than revolution. Very few things in healthcare happen in revolutionary terms. But evolution slowly, gradually over time can lead to huge improvements in efficiency and outcome. And so every little step 
in AI, whether it's improving image acquisition, whether it's improving radiology workflow, speeding up post-processing, or making better diagnosis with the use of diagnostic aids, all of this is pushing radiology suites in the right direction. Interestingly, however, in terms of whether radiologists are ever going to completely lose their jobs, humans are complicated and we cannot be broken down into data points. There was a an infamous quote said in 2012 by Vinod Kosla, who was the co-founder of Sun Microsystems, who said to an auditorium full of doctors, Healthcare is like witchcraft based on tradition. Machine learning will result in more efficient, cheaper, and more accurate diagnoses and will replace 80% of doctors. Now, he said this back in 2012, and he quickly clarified that he didn't mean that 80% of doctors would be replaced, but rather 80% of the work that doctors did today would be replaced by computers. I think he's partly right. There are lots of repetitive, fairly basic, not particularly thought-requiring processes that doctors have to do every single day of the week, those should be replaced by AI. And that's gradually happening. However, here we are 11 years after that quote was said, and even in the radiology suite where AI is perhaps the most advanced across the healthcare spectrum, and radiologists are still very much in need. Meanwhile, as AI advances from here, there is always going to be that case that just doesn't make sense. And so ideally, in a decade from now, radiologists will spend most of their time analyzing the really complicated cases, or they will continue to get more involved in the treatment paradigm for an oncology patient, for example, where they can help inform decision-making by telling a radiation oncologist how well a tumor is responding by being able to quantify how quickly a tumor is shrinking, for example. So I'd say that the role of radiologists hopefully will be quite different in 10 years' time, but I think that there very much will be a need for them, and they hopefully will be doing more interesting and more value-added work in the future. I like that. As excited as I am about this technology, though, I am still rooting for humans, as complicated as we are. We are complicated, and ultimately, healthcare is about human interaction, too. And that's something that a computer is just not going to be good at. So the delivery of care is really about patient care, and the analysis can be outsourced to computers to some extent, but I think there will always be a need for human interaction and doctors who care. And I've loved this interaction, Lisa. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today. It's been super fun. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to In the Know with Bernstein Research. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to like or subscribe. In the Know with Bernstein Research. If you do not have access to Bernstein's research, you can find it at bernsteinresearch.com, where you can also find important disclosures that we encourage you to review. Bernstein has no obligation to provide any updates or changes at any time in the future. All references and or market forecasts are correct at the date of recording. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenter and may not be the same as the views of Bernstein or its affiliates. Bernstein is not providing any financial, legal or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast and this should not be considered as investment advice.
This podcast must not be copied, distributed, published or reproduced in whole or in part. None of us hold positions in any of the equities that we have discussed today.